0: Hi, my name is Macon Holt and welcome to the second season of the Arc Audio Book Club. Yes, we've been doing this for a year now and we await a call from Squarespace any day. On this special anniversary edition of The Book Club, we brought together the original panel from the first ever episode on Leaving the Atosha Station to talk about Ben Lerner's second novel, 1004. It's the story of an unnamed Ben Lerner-like New York author, working on the follow-up to his well-received Atosha-like first novel while juggling relationships, family, the spectres of death, technology and ecological disaster, and the prospect of having a child with his best friend, all set within a Baroque metafictional construction. So, you've met them before, but here they are. This time, there's Alexander 20. Hello. is Friis. Hello. And Giovanni Alessandro, Hello. So, Gio, you've been saying to me for a while before we started to try and do this book um, that the, the structure was fascinating. The first time I read it, I didn't notice that, but if you'd like to you know, expand a little bit on that, because it's...
1: Okay, I want to start out by saying though that this is the best book ever and I will not be able to do it justice. But now I read it a third time and now it's not so much the time that fascinates me and I don't know what it was about the time right now that I found really interesting. Um, I think I might have read it wrong. To me now this story is built up over this essay there is in the middle of the book called The Golden Vanity that in the novel featured in the New Yorker and it did in real life, too. And he expanded that into a book. And I don't think this novel is about time anymore. I think it might be about authenticity. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes from the first-person perspective, talking to the reader, uh, as you. And then he reaches that um, mid section called mm-hmm. The Golden Vanity, yeah. where he becomes the author. He never has a name. Mm-hmm. Um, he's either him, himself, I, or he is the author. And then it goes back uh, into the third person's perspective. And I think that is really fascinating because at the same time he has Walt Whitman as a theme, Mm -hmm. Uh, Walt Whitman who wanted to speak for everyone Mm -hmm. uh, and become this thing that united the people. And that is, I don't know, maybe a little bit pathetic in like the Greek sense of the word, Mm -hmm. but he sort of does the same thing here. but being really conscious about it all the time and reflecting, like he's hyper-reflecting in this book and to me now this book is not so much about time, to me the first time I read it it felt like time kept oscillating between each other, I didn't really feel that now, now I felt like this book is about definitely authenticity and mm. what is that mm. is that when you have like the new sincerity movement that uh, sincerity is when you, and I mean you cannot write in a sincere way ever mm. I think Um, Mm. but you can get close to it and is authenticity when you use the real names and real dates and real events Mm -hmm. and is that what it is or is authenticity when you are real about not being able to do that Mm. and he changes the names in the midsection but everything is the same but a little different just like he keeps on saying in the story that everything is the same, but a little different. And yeah, to me now, this book is about reality and how can you express yourself?
2: Um, well, yes, I mean, um, I think I'd rephrase the the authenticity thing as a sort of um, question about the impossibility of authenticity. Yes,
1: that is it's, a way.
2: For me, the, the novel definitely turns around this question of authenticity, but is primarily about how it's impossible. Mm. And the impossibility of authenticity is authentic.
1: Exactly. Yes. That that was what I wanted to get at. <laughs> that in that way it becomes authentic. Yes. But by negating it. Exactly, yes,
2: because it it cannot exist.
0: Yeah, I and I wonder actually if you um if you can collapse these this idea together though. Because I think that I think that whether or not you feel time to be a theme as it carries on, like being the title being a being a specific minute, <clears throat> and the way that the linearity of the narrative is is cut up and repeats itself, I think you can't entirely get away from that. But I think that, that that's also maybe an element of the question. I think that the way that the um, meta and the authentic discussion happens in it is connected to the idea of when does this happen? When is your time for when is the, when is the time of your life? in the aesthetic experience of a moment and when is it just humdrum and every day? And when is it when is it a profound moment? When is it when is it um not one of any significance
2: but are is it is it I mean can you distinguish the two things from from each each other? Is it is not that sort of the point that they yeah. sort of they continually like yeah. overlap and there's no sort of distinct yeah. so I think you can't the categories, you can't like create those so I think he's working against the temptation. Yeah.
1: But actually, I think time is pretty linear in this book, isn't it? Because the first time I read it, like it seemed that it kept on... Um I don't know, bouncing into each other and I didn't know, like, is this linear or not? Is he going back and forth in time? Or is this? But now I read it again and I think it's like, yeah, it starts at A and ends in B.
3: Oh, It's fairly linear, I feel, uh, but right. then he operates with a lot of different present tenses all the time. He t- mm-hmm. talks a lot about present tenses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think in a sense, time shifts around, perhaps not in jumps back and forth chronologically, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. in from different uh, present tenses
1: mm-hmm.
3: of, like, different people experiencing time yeah. or People experience time differently, mm. or like this author and him, like the difference from the first person to the third person yeah. perspective, how time is experienced. Like so, so the present tense has become the time. Time becomes a t- theme, uh, not because of the way time moves, but be, because the way of because of the way time is felt.
1: Mm. Yeah, probably yes.
3: But I
0: think. The way that, I think it, I think he starts at C, and like there's an A, mm. but it's a bit later on, and he then comes back to C, like, he starts off with this. Yeah, and
1: that yeah. was the thing about and, yeah. the time yeah. that I couldn't figure out the first time I read it, because, yeah, and he says in the beginning that he wants to divide himself into two people, or two persons, and mm. projects himself mm. into the future, mm. which he does, mm. and he does it so well, mm-hmm. and this novel is... So amazingly, brilliantly composed, I feel.
2: Yeah. no,
1: but even like every sentence <laughs> of it. Yes. Has its own rhythm, yeah. and there is no passages like you don't go through three pages and you feel like that could have been left out.
0: I mm. I am not sure I agree. Hmm.
3: I think,
1: no, I think like,
0: just, to, just to, like, to illustrate that point, does anyone want to read the first sentence from the book, which is the most marvellous piece of sentence I've ever read?
1: Really... I do.
0: Okay. <laughs> With no, It's got no punctuation in it, apart from the full stop at the end, and it's just marvellous.
1: The city had converted an elevated length of abandoned railway spur into an aerial greenway, and the agent and I were walking south along it in the unseasonable warmth after an outrageously expensive celebratory meal in Chelsea that included baby octopuses that the chef had literally massaged. To death.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a craft, a level of craft there, which is yes, which is better than most. And writers this is great right, because
1: it. here he uses, like, at one point he comments on this author Creeley, that he's trying to fake some letters for him for mm. this project in the book, and he comments on the signature words that an author will use, and a signature word for a learner is definitely unseasonable. <laughs> It is. It <laughs> appears so many times in the novel. I don't know if you noticed it. No,
3: I didn't. But no, not particularly. But like, yeah. I, but he does this. Repeats himself yes, a lot yes. throughout the book. Yeah. Uh, but I think. I mean, I don't know if it's with specific words, but some of them are. Definitely on purpose. Mm. There's a Mm -hmm. lot of scenes Mm -hmm. and that's maybe also where time collapses a little bit Mm. because a lot of scenes are Mm. you have a definite sense of deja vu Mm -hmm. Throughout the book Mm -hmm. and then they have like a certain description of something that a that's completely the same as Something that happened previously. Yeah, exactly. For example, the the phrase the world rearranged itself around That is so many times throughout the book. I noted it down and it happens at least
0: five six times Yeah, I think also like the it's interesting with that word "unseasonable" because it's a very polite word, and the way that he's always kind of in the back of his mind referring to the impending eco- um, ecological disaster that's going to engulf the entire world and destroy the city he lives in, mm. and "unseasonable" is a very polite way of containing <laughs> that sensation of doom.
1: <coughs> that is true,
0: <laughs> which is which makes it also yeah, very funny. But Malus, you were saying that you um, were were less impressed than Shivana about the the workings of this book you yes. elaborate on that?
3: Yes, I think um, I felt that the last part of the book, for example, was just a lot less interesting.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: he has this passage where he is um, he has a residence to write where he like he's supposed to write mm-hmm. his new novel mm-hmm. and then he spends a lot of time walking around and watching art and I don't know thinking and it felt it didn't, it didn't interest me all that much. Mm-hmm. And I felt like so he does all these things throughout his throughout the book, where he does this all these meta comments and he moves between the first and the third mm-hmm. person and he does all these uh, tricks throughout, which I felt sort of mm, they felt not not so much consciously constructed as sort of yeah he just used them and then watched what happened so mm-hmm. the book felt a little uh, if not. Uh, it didn't seem like a whole thing. I mean, I, I felt like it felt a little mm. uh, coincidental that it ended up the way it did. That's and like, I mean, that's probably not quite the case. But there's a lot of things that works. Uh, I mean, like, this is a restra- hard thing to put mm-hmm. into words, I think. But it felt a little uh, random that all these different layers of mm. meta commentary worked, or mm-hmm. you know, he, he moves between a lot of different levels, and it felt like <laughs> Pur-
0: purposeless or purposelessly. <laughs>
3: okay. Uh,
1: so you think he was just like showing off but it served no purpose in the book? No, no, I or think it's telling the story or he's like what he wanted
3: to do. I think it serves a great purpose and I think he does it consciously for sure, but I think it it doesn't follow with any strict necessity that one thing comes after the next. It feels like a lot of different elements has been thrown in and played around with Without it then at the end turning into a complete whole. I didn't feel I felt like it was like a, an exercise, and a lot of different playing around with with time and and deja vu, and and what kind of storyteller you are, and then it left me afterwards feeling like, well,
2: okay, but it didn't feel like it went anywhere. But but is that sense of of the book not being complete, not sort of the entire project to some extent? I mean, it is like a, a sort of blind child uh, grasping or fumbling in in, in darkness after something which we talked about earlier about the uh, the authenticity and the non-authenticity being authentic kind of thing so that sort of wholeness is perhaps precisely what it doesn't want to be no but uh, that that is probably true Uh, i just don't enjoy that as much as
3: she wanted (laughs) us (laughs) obviously
0: yeah i mean i think as i started to reread it i realized that i was able to see set pieces that were executed in it beautifully. Like, I mean, if you were to be very harshly critical and you see on the list of which publications it's the book of the year of, and it features a short story originally published in the New Yorker, you think, this is the most New Yorkery book ever. Hmm. <laughs> but the problem is, is like, when you see these tricks happening and they start to pile on top of each other, each of them executed so well, you start to go: Is this a trick, or is this? Am I looking at just a? Is it talent, or is it? For example, like he, the fact that he has so many essays about art scattered throughout the thing, inventing artworks. I mean, again, this is also where time and authenticity get collapsed really, really closely together. In that first um, description of the art show of his uh, his lover um, Elena? Mm, Elena, Elena, yeah, and uh, her her uh, practice of going from photographs and recreating them as kind of Renaissance paintings. What's interesting is like, there's no better example to sort of illustrate his point. And then you kind of think, but you have invented this (laughs) artwork to illustrate your point, which I guess is a thing you do. Um, Please someone jump in on this. I think that that exact (coughs) feeling of just stuff piling
3: on top of each other, I had the same feeling. And I think that is very like this very spot on describing what happens in this book. A lot of piling up happens. Mm. Like he does all these different things, events, art, and like and all of mm. it sort of circling around the same themes. And then just sort of after a while, there's a a pile that has amassed, and mm. that pile just then amounts to the book. And. I think my second read-through, I enjoyed it a lot more, mm-hmm. because the first one I expected, you know, okay, I want, it needs to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the second read-through, I was able to perhaps a bit, little more enjoy uh, just this piling up. Mm.
1: But it's great, because the plot goes nowhere. I mean, stuff happens, mm-hmm. but... He is left unchanged mm. and he still has the same questions by the end of the book as mm-hmm. he has in the beginning, and nothing has really changed. He's not mm-hmm. become wiser or smarter or anything. It's like his friend has become pregnant, but I think that's the only thing that is changed. And
0: the book
3: exists.
1: Yes. Mm. Um,
3: so the world is the same, only a little different. Exactly,
1: yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: As the epigraph
1: says.
0: <laughs> Great.
1: Did you notice, I mean, from his first novel, Leaving the Atoche Station, mm. uh, he uses John Asbury a lot. His protagonist reads John Asbury and uses his poems and all that. Now he uses Walt Whitman. Did you see that he threw in a lot of uh, strophes, like verses, from crossing the Brooklyn Ferry?
0: No. Like, without
1: quotation marks or anything, it's just there. And you have to have read the poem and remember it to see that it's there. It's not totally... you can't recreate it from what he used, but he used a lot of it and just, like, dropped it in.
3: No, I didn't notice. I noticed sometimes throughout the book he marks that he quotes a poem by just making a dash Mm. between two sentences, and then I know, okay, so that's Mm. this is taken from
0: somewhere. Uh, But no. I haven't read that poem either, so. Mm. No, I mean that was the thing. That, yeah, 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 you have to. You get a real chance to show off your erudition mm. when
2: you uh, <laughs> when you read his work, I guess. But it doesn't stop you from from being able to read the book. I no, mean, even even it's, it's very dense. I mean, this is this is a very dense novel, I think. But because the ideas are so compacted closely in, the, in these incredible sentences, but still. Mm. You can read through it. I mean, the narrative, the the story is enjoyable enough. It flows easily. I think flows very easily, and you get these very big ideas about art and and capitalism and all these big things, which which is what I really love about this book. How it maintains juggling these two mm. two things that make it very enjoyable. I also wonder about that because when I,
0: I read his <laughs> his um his his very quick and condensed analysis of. Analyses of uh, capitalism. I always think
3: oh, great. They well, are well, well done.
0: <laughs> but also, they are like
3: they seem like uh, like imitation. Like they don't mm. seem like they seem like uh, intentionally mm. uh, dense or like sort of mimicking an, an academic language. Mm. Sort of also seems like making fun of it. Yeah, uh, or is it sort of maybe it's an ironic distance to himself that he says, "Okay, so maybe." Yeah. Like he makes fun of himself, yeah, He's that's also. That's we, sounds
1: like.
0: He's a, he's, a, um, he's a professor as well by trade, like he's, he teaches classes in universities about this sort of thing. I
1: think Brooklyn mm-hmm. College? Yeah,
0: so it's like, so it's that kind of, it's almost like he's stating the necessary thing, like, it's like the, the, the Derridian thing of in the conditions of this, we can say that this food co-op is ridiculous. Mm. But
1: what this book does, I think, is just raise a lot of questions in a really brilliant way. Mm. Um, And what I really like is one of the big themes in it is art. Mm. Um, There's the Institute of Totaled Art, which is Mm. great. Mm. And actually, that was a real idea. He says, Mm. uh, like, in the last part of the book, in acknowledgement that Mm. he took that idea from the Institute of Salvaged Art. So his girlfriend or, like, lover has this exhibition where she gets a lot of paintings and Mm. art objects from this... um, insurance company Mm -hmm. that will pay out people whose paintings have suffered some kind Mm. of damage and are worth nothing, Mm. they are like legally declared worth nothing and she makes this exhibition of all these Mm. like you can't see that there's anything wrong with these paintings but they're worth nothing even though like yeah it's ridiculous Mm. and how he reflects upon like he loves it because now art has been set free to (laughs) just be art without having money in it. Um, decapitalized
3: but this is sort of actually a recurring theme sort of where you take them uh, the object or the experience and disconnect it from what usually gives it meaning he has this this another ex- example is this moment in uh, in the car with Alex after his i think dentist appointment where he was mm. uh, drugged mm. and then he has this intense experience of beauty and the world is mm. Uh, just so beautiful, and, and, and he knows that he won't be able to rem- remember this later on. Uh, so he says this gives, it, g- gives the experience sort of... Uh,
1: intensifies it.
3: Intensifies it, yeah. And I feel like that is sort of connected also to the fact of art that has its, sort of its money value removed. It's like he talks about this experience where he was dropped as, mm-hmm. a, as a moment this disc- like taken out of time and it exists outside of time.
1: Yeah, but only because he wouldn't be able to remember it. Yeah. And then he says I remembered it.
3: Yes. Yeah. So it never happened. Yeah, and that's the thing. But that but sort of and I Okay, so maybe this is not a clear connection, but I feel like it is related to this thing where art is taken out of its sort of there's suddenly the purpose for some mm-hmm. Some this is the purpose of somehow been changed, yeah. or you know, art gets to exist for its own sake, rather than for monetary value, and it's sort of that's how it, that, that experience of being drunk and moment of beauty, sort of mm. that experience gets to exist without having to be purposeful in like a, a in the sense of a life, or this is not a meaningful thing that happened to him; it's just an intense moment
0: of beauty. Mm-hmm. Uh. But in, the, in a sense, also when you divorce the artwork from the from the economic value of it, like the um, at, at the uh, Alex we were saying earlier about the the uh, the can of coffee before the mm, storm, and as yeah. he looks at the coffee can, he sees its connections through the whole uh, through the the forest where it's grown into the production and systems, the delivery and distribution, then it arrives to him. That coffee can has a lot of c- cultural meaning embedded upon it because it has this. It's in this massive network of economics and when you take away that from the artwork you you put it in, you put it into storage where it disappears and then of course when it becomes the Institute of total art it may be able to attain a monetary value again it be, is transformed into a new thing.
1: And it almost becomes like a sci-fi novel because he's able to project himself. He says he wants to project himself into multiple futures. And he can see like this whole grid of what happens and where the coffee can came from and how stuff in the food co-op had been transported from Mexico to JFK to go upstate, to go back again. And he can see all these maps of like what has happened to things and feelings and everything. And he starts out in the novel by eating, by ingesting these uh, octopi. And he says that like he can feel the empathy going inside of him and like the world's smartest animal or like the world's animal that has most empathy or something like that is inside of him. And he's like he's kidding and he's not kidding when he say that he can feel like um, (laughs) like that octopus. And like to me, that sort of gave him the ability to write this book from this point on, (laughs) which I think is great.
0: (laughs) That's it. Yeah. I'd like to return to that moment actually because the the, the moment of the Twilight Sedation I think is really Mm -hmm. fascinating um, because that's in the story section of The Golden Vanity Mm -hmm. which is him taking the information he's outlined in in part one of all the different characters and then repurposing it to a fiction. So it's actually it's his friend's dental surgery that he has then placed upon himself to have had. So it's his friend's Twilight Sedation experience that he is able to draw on and generate and, and then of course be able to declare having experienced whilst it never would have happened if it was actually in effect. I've said that, I've described that now. This is such a good book. Does anyone have more things to say about that whole... I mean... The way it recapitulates in the second... No, I felt it was interesting.
3: I mean, this entire thing of uh, an experience being more intense because it won't be remembered. Mm. I think that is an interesting idea.
1: And you can associate the story about his co-worker to that, the Nor girl, mm. who That's finds that exactly yeah, yeah,
3: yeah.
1: Arab and she finds out that she's not Arabic at all, she mm. had a different father and mm. she's actually, I don't know if she was Jewish or that was the story he wanted to write or something like that, but she's not Arabic at all and she's been living her life on this lie and she's identified herself with this like genetic material and like, nationality that she doesn't have. And so he says again, like everything was changed or everything was the same, but a little different. Um, but
2: it, it's an amazing scene, that one, where, where she recounts how she looks at her hands and they start to sort of seem less, less black as her father, was, as, as her father's color. Because mm-hmm. she, her identity as the world rearranges itself, so does she. And then, the I mean, not just a little bit has been changed but everything has been completely turned upside down and yeah it's an image that he's also
0: borrowing from Back to the Future as well mm. like the, the pale hand the fading out hand in yes. the photograph of Marty McFly and, and also uh, just
3: while we're at Noor uh, she also has the story of her brother I think uh, or she recounts the story where um uh, someone who's had this big beef with his brother that his brother doesn't know about. And he then finally decides to call him up and just get it out, get out, get it out, Mm -hmm. confront him Mm -hmm. about it. So he just calls up his brother and says, okay, I don't want you to talk. I just want you to listen. And so he recounts all all these grievances Mm -hmm. that he has with his brother. Uh, And then when he's done and feeling relieved that he's finally said it, it turns out that the brother, the call disconnected. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so he calls up his brother again and says, "So how much of that did you hear?" And the brother said, "Yeah, I heard you. You, you mentioning that you had something to say, and then the connection was lost." <laughs> yeah. um, and then the point is that he never he never actually says repeats this story. Mm. So he's this is another event that happened, but then didn't actually happen. Mm. Uh, mm. Just like that in moment of intense beauty, mm. or, or her Norse.
2: Uh, f- like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so what he's doing is he's he's connecting things and he's d- disconnecting things and saying that the two things can be the same, and that you actually can perhaps in some way travel back in time or sort of travel in the future via this connection disconnection thing i mean with with nor her perception, her identity is completely changed after this yeah. re uh, positioning of the past, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So, so the possibility of going back and forth suddenly opens.
3: Yeah, yeah. So th- via event in the now, mm-hmm. uh, her past is suddenly completely
2: rearranged. Yes. Which uh, the is also the, the now. Yeah, yeah. 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 Mm. It's the quilting point, of course. <laughs> Quilting point, the, the Lacanian quilting point. Oh, sure. <laughs> 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 okay. That's a phrase. The, the, yes. Oh, the quilting okay. point. Point de caption. Yes. Okay. But
3: there, and the, just, just now while mm. we're it, there is this entire scene about scene about watching the Challenger live go explode. Mm.
0: Oh yeah. Which yes. is
3: the same thing. The yeah. same thing happens yet again because everyone he's ever all his mm. friends that when you ask them they all answer yeah we watched this live on television. Mm. Uh, but then he just but then it turns out that this was not the Challenger mission blowing up Mm. it wasn't broadcast live Mm. except for very few places so in fact most people uh, have not watched it live but everyone thinks they did Mm. so this is another instance of something that happened but then didn't
0: actually happen Mm. yep which then also ties to his um His origins as a poet, which Mm. is that fascinating thing about the uh, the speech that uh, Reagan reads and the line he quotes at the end saying about how they uh, slipped the surly bonds of Earth to touch the face of God, which then was a thing produced by a speechwriter who was referencing a young military poet who was actually Mm. stealing somebody else's work (coughs) and he likes none of it, and yet that profound moment stuck in his mind and that forms who he is. Yes, yes
3: so
1: is this time or identity or (laughs) like what is this
3: but I think uh, maybe returning to this uh, pile of stuff that Macon mentioned in the beginning it's a way of talking about these things without being explicit about it or being able to sort of dance around these subjects without going okay this is
2: what I definitely want to talk about
1: and that is great because I don't want him to tell me Mm-hmm. how the world
2: is. No, because that wouldn't be a novel. That, then that would be sort of a philosophical approach to understanding time. We would be going down a completely different lane if you wasn't dancing around these things. But that is, I mean, that is literary fiction for you, right? Yeah. Like that's the ability
3: to dance around mm. ideas without actually solidifying them into one thing, but being able to talk about them like sort of
0: through at an angle or not, not directly. Mm-hmm. Looking awry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think there's that the kind of the spectre of the collapse of everything is is in the background of this book all the time. And in some ways at the same time he's he not is, in
1: the background, he's really exquisite about how like the sea is polluted and the world is gonna <laughs> end and the city's gonna be underwater and, and what's, yeah. in the back, what's
0: in the background is the, like it's like it's it's situated within his anxieties, not mm. within his narrative. No one else is going around going oh, we got to go prepare the storm shelter so often, even even except in the storm times. Except for the kids. Except, except yeah, for yeah. The kill, and except
3: for when, like, the entire city is talking about the coming storm. Yes, apart <laughs> from the particular... <laughs>
0: <owners>. <laughs> But then it's always like, if it is as dire as this, why is there not an everyday concern? Yeah, yeah. Well, how do we prepare for it way in advance of, oh, the weather report says the week's coming up.
1: And then oh. his action when he meets someone who is equally as paranoid as he is, mm. is to take the voice of, like, the elder, like, mm. it's gonna be fine, son. Mm. Um, yeah, well, I think that was great.
0: But I think, I don't know, there's something that parallel motion to me that, like, I, there's there's... It's not just that things are piled on top of each other and they, they create a structure. It's that they kind of they compress into one another. They bl- they they blend and blur, and that's actually I think where the oh you've written that down no <laughs> palimpsest palimpsistic
3: palim- 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 plagiarism that moves through bodies and time. He's like this is just because yeah. I've had that feeling, mm. and this is exactly what this mm. is right, like the palimpsestic thing, right? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, where a lot of things are written yeah. on top of each other, or yeah. you know,
3: yeah,
0: yeah. But it's but it's also. It's that. So that happens within the textures of the work and the mechanisms of the work. But it's also different spheres that come into contact with one another. Like he has to come into contact with human biology in a very intimate way at the sperm bank. He has to um, come into... Like for example, I think there's a, there's a wonderful remark when he's at the sperm bank and he, does, he makes a... a um, He's imagining what he'll tell their future child here and his friend Alex if once she's born about her origin So your dad watched a video of a young woman whose family hails from the world's most populous continent Gets sodomized for money and emptied his sperm into a cup He paid a bunch of people to wash and shoot it into your mom through a tube, through a tube. That has so many things going on in it and it's so direly dark, but it contains s- but the, 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 This kind of like joy of everything collapsing into that moment of his own self-loathing is that not fascinating? Say more say more. <laughs> I, okay, so that sentence has within it a critique of patriarchal racism in pornography. Sure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's,
0: <laughs> um check. <laughs> gl- global economics. That makes you realise that this particular fetish of, within, uh, patriarchal misogyny in pornography is built upon a very western-centric view when actually we're referring to the world's most populous continent when we're talking about Asian pornography. And then that this, this is within the context of trying to construct a new scientific way of growing children in the future because we no longer can do it in the traditional manners.
1: Growing children.
0: We're growing children. So
1: disgusting. Farming children. <laughs> well, through a tube. It was through a tube.
0: So yeah, it's this, his ability to collapse the ideas like not just like they um, lay on top of each other, but that they actually start to like like the ink blurs between them. I kind of I feel like they, they they affect the shape of each other's letters and their ways of forming signs. Yeah, I agree. There we go. Well done. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and while we added st- uh, stuff affecting stuff, he like back to the art and money stuff and the Institute for Total mm-hmm. Art, but he keeps on reminding the reader that he's only writing this book for money. And I think that's great because what does money do to art? He is writing this book because of a strong six-figure advance.
0: Money that he was then going to use to... What <laughs> he's going to use to facilitate his watching of pornography that someone's being paid to have sex on camera so that he can be paid even more money to write a book to then pay for IV treatment. Yeah. Economics everywhere. hmm <laughs> Yeah, actually. I was, I was, for a while, feeling a bit kind of like, oh, he's quite didactic about his, uh, his Marxist leanings, isn't he? Like, he's always just saying, oh, this is a commodity form, oh, what's going... But then, when you think about it like this, like, in those particular examples, like I remember thinking the coffee can was a bit on the nose, but yes, the novel exists because of money, the total art museum exists <coughs> because of a lack of money, which then may produce money. Yes, but then we think, then it makes you question what money is, you know, especially as he's living in New York, post-financial crisis, and okay. the whole thing was a, yeah. Money is all (laughs) (laughs) over.
3: Well, money is all over in this book. Mm. And he
1: even says that he's going to use the image of Goldman Sachs in the hurricane for his hardback edition of Mm. this book, which he did.
3: (laughs) Okay. Mm. But he does nothing in this book but drink expensive drinks and eat expensive food and go to fancy parties.
1: I felt a little bit like this was Towlin, but with more emotions, because it's sort of the same life of like doing nothing, and he doesn't do as many drugs in this book as the first one, but yeah.
2: <laughs> but isn't he always surprised at how expensive everything is? I mean, he yeah. <laughs> sometimes at one point he just or he thinks he orders a normal cup of coffee, which yeah. turned out to be outrageously expensive. <laughs> something you know fancy Starbucks yeah. kind of
0: thing. But <clears throat> well, he also likes to equate things, like the annual wage in China versus the n- versus the number of IVF treatments he can get. Mm. Yes. this is also sort of a comment on the
3: absurdity of him suddenly have all this having all this yes, money. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. and he's well aware that and the absurdity
1: know, of prices, like who mm. gets to decide what costs what and why and why is this the same and that equals that and like fifty bluefin octopi mm. equals two treatments of this and but two hummers on the other hand and yeah. Like I feel like he's really commenting on the absurdity of everything without saying like this is absurd,
3: <laughs> yeah, but also because I mean, also because he's really enjoying it, he loves these drinks, and these octopi are really nice, mm-hmm. and like so on and so on and so on. This is a really nice life, you get the impression, uh, and I throughout the book, I had this
2: mm. yeah i want want to live like that I wish he that always was mean. he comes to it sideways i mean it's 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 always sort of like as I said before, he's always surprised or he's he always finds himself in a situation where somebody is paying a lot of money for the meals around. So he's always like thrown sort of from the side into these weird
3: situations. But also then he ends up paying a lot of money for a meal and he pays for someone
2: else's meal and I mean like, yeah. But I feel that the, the most outrageous things are always sort of like, whoops, that just happened. That was but isn't that sort of also a way of distancing,
3: distancing, distancing himself from... I mean, like, there's also Mm. a way of dealing with it because, like, he is using this Mm. this money and he is enjoying it. And so, sure, I mean,
0: Mm. I can critique it all I want, but then also I like it. There is the the interesting thing that he's well aware that he does not deserve the money. Mm -hmm. And in that, his his relationship to it is then, how do I use this thing that I have access to that I have no right to have? Because I can't just I can't just get it away because like it's the, it's the, it's a source of life it's a source of and and um, literally in the in the yeah. case that he's growing a child with it again growing a child <laughs> <laughs> phrase for this podcast <laughs> and I think it's really interesting when you're like cause he, but then he is a moral character so well, he's not he moral, like the things well, he, he he's well, he's morally concerned at least he's um he's worried he's anxious maybe that's not effective but it certainly exists. Um, he's yeah he's he, he's, not, he's not amoral or immoral he's morally engaged even if he's failing yeah he's um,
1: yeah, he's aware mm.
0: but it, like that's I mm. think that thing that he does, he does these
3: passages which we already talked a little bit about uh, on like the uh, international structure of capitalism or whatever mm. which are like highly academical mm. and they come sort of out of the blue mm. and I feel like they're sort of a highlighting of the absurdity of this like he's aware of all this abs- like weirdness with money but mm-hmm. then also, yeah, there's also just the fact of his life now. Yeah.
2: Mm.
3: He makes a little bit of fun, of fun of himself, I
0: think. Oh yes. And in, in with those phrases. I have like a question mark um, in my head, and a scene that moves me a great deal is the scene towards the end of the book where he's um, going in to meet with one of his graduate students and the student's completely like just fucked up. He's, he's just, he's going through some stuff. He's finding things difficult and and every time i've read this book i have been sort of moved by by how that feels for the for the for the learner character the narrator and i don't i can't articulate why does anyone else want to try for me
1: what is that because like he illustrates how you are different people in different situations right when mm-hmm. you are with people who aren't paranoid then you get to be really paranoid because like these people are calm so mm-hmm. you can freak out then another person is freaking out in front of you and you become like mm-hmm. The elder, the one saying like, "You're gonna be all right, son. It's gonna be fine." Mm. That's how I felt with that scene.
3: Yeah, there's like yeah, and this is a, a striking scene. And he, throughout the book, he's been talking about all these same issues that this guy's raving on about. Mm. And then instead of
1: he meets himself in oh a, like sort of a sort extent, of a
3: little more put
1: and then maybe more, a little bit younger version of himself. Um,
3: Someone who's dealing with all the same issues, at Mm -hmm. least. Mm -hmm. And instead of going, yeah, I recognize those issues, let's talk about them, he just goes, well,
0: maybe you should get help. Yeah. Which is, I think, that is... uh, So he feels he betrays himself in some way, maybe. He betrays... some. He's betraying something. Yeah. But also, I think it's a recognition of the fact that you cannot
3: deal with other people's problems. You cannot... I mean, you can, but...
1: Or you can't be together in those problems. Because what are you going to do if he freaks out and you freak out? Are you going to move to an island and abandon society? Because. <laughs>
3: no, like- yeah, but I think this is also like, like his relationship with money. Is sort of, yeah, I ought to perhaps do something morally better with this. But then this is also like the premise of how society and like, uh, my job and everything works right now. And sort of, I can only be as good as I can be. Mm. And at some point, I have to just sort of allow myself to not be super good. Like he can't help this this guy without involving himself massively. Mm. Is what he thinks. Mm. Uh, and so he's he's rather he'd rather not involve himself uh, than involve himself without being able to
0: follow through with it. Mm. No, I think that makes sense. Like uh, it's a uh, yeah. He's realizing something of the limitations of his ability to. Yeah, as also as you were saying, to that you, you know you can't you can't both be crazy together and imagine mm. that's gonna. Solve and also,
1: it. I mean, our narrator is crazy inside of his head, right? Yeah. But this guy is like explicitly mm. uh, freaking out, mm. and it seems like this guy always, like our narrator, the author, always keeps it together, mm. but who can't like deal with it personified. Yeah. In front of him, yeah. then he, I, he sort of like it right? He rejects it. Not three times, but,
0: yeah. <laughs> well, he rejects it first with uh, with um, the, the kid he's uh, tutoring. the. the that is marching. true.
1: And twice, I think, even because there are two hurricanes, right? Yeah. And like Joseph Coney, for mm-hmm. one, and then the city underwater, Why twice.
0: Not? It's Joseph Coney, the after <laughs> Joseph not, not not a <laughs> hurricane named Joseph Coney in a kind of taste.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, new readers <laughs> cannot get on here. But, <laughs> But there are Mm. two things in this book that annoy me. Okay. And I'm saying this out of love. But for once, there are two women in this book that have like lead characters. To me, it seemed like very stereotypical women of like, there are the ones you can fuck and there are the ones you can marry. And here we have the brilliant artist woman that is his lover. Mm -hmm. And then we have his friend with the perfect collarbones that he has a kid with. Yeah, and those women are like what the fuck
0: but then he can't but then it's, but then it's not um, maybe that's the case with the Elena character that it becomes the one you can fuck and that kind of mm-hmm. maybe but I, we'll have to go into that in a bit but more like with Alex I don't think it can be said that, uh, that's the one that you marry because of how hard she works to make sure that he is kept Firmly at, a, at a, in a place where he's present, but over there.
1: Yeah, kind of. Then they have sex, and he has to think about like everyone yeah, he, else. Yeah, he has to think
0: about that. Yeah, she's not. Like it, it, there's there's an implicit thing in their relationship where she's like going, no, this isn't this isn't necessarily lead anywhere.
1: Uh, but it just seemed still that like she was so perfect, of like this well
0: unpainted,
1: the- uh, cool, calm, collected tutors, children.
3: But isn't this just the difference mm. of like you know whose mind you get to be inside? Like he, we know that he is uh, uh, corrupt in all of these various ways. But then he has a relationship with his best friend, and of course she, she's depicted as being nice. Like mm-hmm. you don't get to be part of inside of her. I mean, also, I mean, I'm not sure. Like she does this. She wants him to be the father, but she doesn't want to be with him. Instead sort of, I mean, like I don't, I'm not sure if she's. Is that an okay, okay thing to do? I don't think it's a morally completely uh, okay thing. I mean, all right. I mean, I'm not
2: saying it's not okay, okay. No. but I mean, <laughs> there's an element of harvesting in it, though. Yeah, yeah. no, and it's her project, right? It's yeah. not his project. Yeah, uh, exactly. And, and and with Elena, the the relationship is opposite as well. I mean, he's also just something that she can fuck. I mean, she has a very sort of distanced. Mm. Uh, relationship to him but so
1: does he I mean he like mm. is always one step ahead of like acting cool in front of her and like yeah I don't get anything well then mm. but for inside he's,
2: he's crumbling I mean every time they have these these discussions of, we're, we're after the hiatus and he says that they'd have to stop a while because he's trying <laughs> to get her Alex pregnant mm. and she's just completely cool and he's just like also cool also cool but inside he's just like completely oh.
1: <laughs> mm. and he has this
3: great scene where he's just He's just uh, had sex with, with her, and like this is completely f- like he's completely saturated with this feeling. Yes. Uh, and then he goes, like he, he splits up with her and goes home and have a, has a shower, and then he meets up later at an art gallery with her. Hmm. They split up, by the way, because she says that yeah. they don't, they're not supposed to go together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, okay, sure, place, place it cool. And then he shows up, and then she
2: borderline ignores him, and like. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's this, this incredible awkward scene where they they come in, him and Alex, and then he sees Elena and he waves. <laughs> yeah. and She sort of just like looks over the shoulder at him and then doesn't really send any sort of recognition, uh, signifying things. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: But I don't know. There's still something that with these women that really bother me, and I'm not sure what it is. But yeah. maybe it's that Alex like. <laughs> Is so nice, has no yeah. ambition, she just wants a kid, and yeah. like he can love her uh, like unconditionally, but she's not a real person. Elena mm. sort of seems almost like a real person, yeah. but also like right. with no nuances. She is yeah. just like this, I don't know, femme fatale mm. of a dream woman.
0: But That's the reason why he's infatuated with her, why she never changes from that status of like, as you say, the one you can fuck, because she's mysterious to him. Mm-hmm. She's of course not mysterious to people who know her, but mm-hmm. like she's mysterious to him, and that's why it's like it's that combination of proximity and distance, which mm-hmm. is also the theme of the entire book, which which is what makes it alluring. That's why that relationship is as it is, mm-hmm. and why so many of those are. But maybe yeah, I mean he probably, I think he does a really nice job actually of drawing the the, the um the, the famous female author he meets at the party. Yes, mm. she sounds. They, that's a I find that a wonderfully endearing mm-hmm. scene, and the way they they,
1: yeah.
0: and actually. They Talk about a relationship with that, don't they? They talk about his idea for a story about, but maybe
1: I mean, she's totally desexualized. I know that I'm a bulldog now, and I mm. just want to like prove my point. Mm. But she is a lot older than mm-hmm. him, it mm-hmm. seems, and she has a husband,
0: yeah, yes. But they, but then their connection is much stronger than anyone else's connection in the room, in mm-hmm. that sense. And that also, what I found really interesting about that was that it was deep, w- not that it was that it was like non-sexual, that it was a kind of a mentor relationship mm-hmm. between an older woman and a younger man that did not have to fall into certain stereotypical patterns where there'd be some sort of seduction thing going on or be some sort of allure of, of experience. It would be like, no, this, let's convert as humans. Mm-hmm. I thought that was nice about it. But they do talk about a relationship in that, which I think is also interesting between a couple, a young couple who get together in, in college and then the woman gets cancer and then they go to the cancer treatment for months and then she gets thin and is getting sick and is going off to chemo and then it turns out she never had cancer.
1: Yeah, that happened to Alex's stepdad. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah as well. And so you have that the recur- recur- recurrence of a bit. I- but what, is the, what is that What is that about? What is this proximity distance thing again? It's, it's also, also, also the that,
3: fact of the thing of the now altering the past, right? Mm. Having these, all these profound experiences of, in this case, having a, a girlfriend who's very sick and mm. taking care of her and then realizing later on that all this was fake. I'm
2: mm. oh, sorry, that wasn't proximity <laughs> distance, <laughs> just, sorry. Um, but no, what's the, i, I but, no, but, but that's, in, that's an interesting point. I think that is a very interesting point okay. because it is this the entire book continues to do this by by switching the true and with the false, and the false becomes the truth, and the truth becomes the false. Uh, That story Mm. uh, you just related, which turns out to be a fake thing, is a horrible experience for uh, the boyfriend. But, for example, the Noor story, where where she finds out that her father um, isn't her father, and, and all of a sudden she, I mean, she does lose sort of her identity, but she still feels that she's like, she couldn't her first reaction was like, what am I supposed to, supposed to say? I feel numb. And so the actual event, the, the actual sort of horrible thing doesn't really mm. convert to any sort of like profound or, or large sort of emotional meaning in some way. I'm just
0: gonna go back, I want to try I, to I, see, just I, say, where... I really will just say, I agree
2: with, I think that's a good point. <laughs> I, I just wanted
0: to like, tie back in while we had the chance, because I think we've, we've, gone, like, yeah, we've gone over the gnaw, and the, I just wonder what Gio's second point of disagreement was with her favorite book.
1: You may correct me here. No. There are no black people. That's true. And no, 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 really. He like cannot sit mm. in a room for two seconds without seeing all the power structures of like how the coffee got here, who touched mm-hmm. it, how many times. Um, like every time he's at a restaurant it's Spanish workers that are serving him and they're Spanish speaking and he knows that they're at a minimum wage and all that stuff mm. he is hyper aware of like the Chinese porn industry everything mm. there are no black people
0: yeah that, that, that's probably an, an accurate depiction of Ben Lerner's life in, in- and
1: maybe it's because it's <laughs> yeah. too close yeah. like yeah. But he, isn't that it, you but can't write about, like I don't know it would offend too many people or I, also, I,
0: I mean if you
3: wrote in a black character like a token black guy
1: no, but I mean, everyone else is present, basically. And it would be very, like, normal if there were black people and if he came into that as well.
3: But maybe there's no black people in his life. They, I mean, I think but there are no
1: Spanish people in his like. Yeah. They're, they're but there in, are, obviously. But, like, his waiters and all that and the Roberto But they people, are, like... They, yeah, yeah, but they I mean, I've been to New York. Yeah. There are a lot of black people. They are in his life in the same way that the Spanish waiters are.
0: Okay. Mm. Yeah, I think that's um, it's an interesting point. Like his, uh, and that I think that's also one of the things where you feel the um, the 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 uh, structures of the audience onto it. Like this is yeah okay. So those, those but those are the two.
1: Yeah, like the two obvious things, mm. obvious things that I think like that I didn't like in this book, or not even didn't like, but like noticed, like what the fuck. Um.
2: But the point of the the point of perception. I mean, the the place where the person is is speaking from. The totally overly self-conscious consciousness that we're mm-hmm. dealing with—is that not sort of an ironic position to begin with? I mean, it, I mean, we we were we agreed before that this person is making fun of himself, and mm-hmm. perhaps I mean this this might be a, a bad I, argument, but is that a point that there's that these people have been cut out that he is completely solidified in this this no, homogenous? I
1: think he's like. Uh, Self, what do I always ask about this word? Self deprecating Mm -hmm. a lot and very ironic, but I don't think he's ironic about the issues that he takes up. Mm. I think he's Mm -hmm. like ironic about himself and his own character in this world as being like Mm -hmm. privileged and getting all these money to write this story and all that stuff. I don't think he's ironic about the problems. Like, he describes them, he doesn't defend them, but he describes them as being real happening right now. I don't see that as like an ironic comments about the world at all. To me, that like feels very sincere, oh, I think. if you can like, yeah. use that word.
0: I can concede that as a conspicuous oversight. It's like, it's clearly comes from the position that he's writing from, I think. And it's just like, he's yeah, he's not realizing the error of depicting the world in that way, yeah. So now I'm gonna ask the questions, the question, single question, three times. Uh, would you recommend this book, mouse? Sure,
2: yeah, I would. I really, I really enjoyed it, yeah. Okay, great, there we go. Tick. Tick. Uh, <laughs> how about you, Alex? Um, yes, I would, and I would also recommend, I, I'd also the Atoka Station um, and this book have, I mean, especially Atoka Station has, has really been something I've, I've thought a lot about mm. the past year, and I, I'm definitely going to take a lot from my reread of 1004. So Definitely a book to recommend. (laughs) Okay, that's another another tick. And Shivana.
1: Yes, Mm. I want everyone to read this book. I think they should. I think they should start with leaving the Atocha station Mm -hmm. and then read this one. Yeah, I agree. And it's like one of the best books I've ever read. And I've read it four times and it's still really good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's. There's not actually a better review than that. Like, it's not degrading as so many other things do um yeah I'd also recommend it I think it's one of the it's just a great it's a wonderfully crafted thing um the idea of being able to write sentences that do so much work with such seeming ease Mm -hmm. um alone yeah just for the language Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah yeah
0: yeah so that's um that's it from us for this time thanks everybody for listening and for talking in this room and we'll be back Next month, where we'll be talking about Nelsink's first novel, The Wall Creeper, which has disturbed.
1: Not very many.
0: Okay. <laughs> Certain people have been disturbed, others have been kind of disturbed by the lack of disturbance. <laughs> there we go.
1: Thank you.